And I think part of that is because we insecure artists, you know, are always battling with, are we relevant? Does it matter? Do people even care? And people will so often say, man, you know, I'll, I'll, even if I play a new song, I've had it happen over and over again or a new album I'll release. And people will say, Hey, you know, that new song's great, but man, nothing's ever going to beat the great adventure. Gosh, when I think of you, it's, you know, more to this life or man, that record die, you know, dive and your speechless record. Gosh, that's the record. And it's like a compliment, but it also is a little bit of a, it's a two edged sword because part of you just heard them say, so really thanks for the effort, but I didn't really need that new music. I just needed to listen to the old songs, you know? And so as I really wrestled through that, I kind of came to this conclusion that, I still have some things that I really feel compelled to say. I've got some things that I, I not only want to say, but I couldn't have said them before this point in my life. What's up, everyone? And welcome to this week's episode of Trevor Talks. You know, where as usual, we talk to real people about real topics and real stories. Today's guest is the most awarded artist in Christian music, as well as a father husband, and advocate for orphans alongside his wife, Mary Beth. With over 11 million albums sold, 59 Dove Awards, 5 Grammys, 49 number one singles, as well as cross-genre success in country and bluegrass, and a heck of a lot more than I can read off if we want to have time to have a discussion. And he isn't planning on stopping here. I'm thrilled and excited to have him on the show today. Please help me welcome Mr. Stephen Curtis Chapman. We are here, Stephen. We made it, and this is happening right now. (laughs) It is. It is for real. And you're listing off all that, all of those, uh, you know, things that I have been a part of the last 35 years. 35 years ago this year, my first record came out. So I'm kind of celebrating, you know, a 35 year mile marker. And you know, I feel very uh, passionate, and you know, got new music I'm working on, writing new songs, and. uh, and, and releasing new music. And, and so I feel, you know, very energized and, and excited. But when you read that off, people often say, how does that make you feel? And I, for some reason, I just kind of want to go take a nap when I hear that long <laughs> list of things. I'm like, I'm like, I'm kind of, can I just take a nap, please? I'm tired. But I don't feel it until I start listening to that. Cause I think that is, a, it's been a wild, amazing journey, a great adventure as I once no pun song. intended there. Ah, but, it, <laughs> hey, uh, but no, so man, it's so fun to get to chat with you and, and talk with you. Thanks for taking time to do that. Dude, of course. And it it really is a pleasure to have you on. I read that you've had appearances on The Tonight Show and everything else under the sun, and you've made it all the way to Trevor Talks, which has to be the biggest honor of a lifetime. Well, Just it is. I mean, I, I basically, <laughs> it's like, I knew if I could if I can make it to Trevor Talks, man, that's that is the it's pinnacle. Like, that's pretty much it. Forty years ago, when you stepped on stage at the Opry for the first time, you were like, "Trevor's not born yet, but God's <laughs> given me this vision. I have that's to right. be on this show." <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, if I can just hang in there, maybe I can make it. So, thank you, man. This is like this is you know I don't know where to go from here. It's it's all downhill from here, but we made it. It is. And honestly, 
I've been listening to the song still for the past few days, and I'm going to be really honest with you. CCM isn't my primary genre to go to. As we were talking about before, I'm a yeah. rockhead. You asked about the whosoevers. I filled you in. You've got P.O.D., Head, Lacey, all these rockers. That's my lane. That's where I stay in. And your song still has been on replay for the past few days. And I have a feeling that it's just going to be an anthem for this year. Cause as we mm. were just discussing, like you just got over some sickness. I just got over COVID. Like it's been tough for a lot of people, especially yeah. over the past two years. So with you dropping new music and coming yeah. out with new content for people to enjoy, this song seems a little bit, it, it's very vulnerable and it's special. So I'd like to just start off with talking yeah. about still in the process <clears throat> that went into it and yeah. uh, what it means to you. Absolutely. Well, um, I, I love hearing that you, um, you know, are, are uh, listening to it, you know, several times over and just wasn't one listen and like, Hey, I got that. Cool. Okay. Um, but because that's always the hope and the dream is that, man, I hope these songs, stand the, you know, the test of, you know, listening to, and I want to hear that again. And, and I want to hear it again and again. And I write songs. I, I, I labor over songs and craft songs, you know, in that way. Um, so that there's something that hopefully the 10th time, you know, somebody's listening to it's like, Oh man, I never caught that, you know, uh, musically, but, but primarily lyrically for me too, just Mm -hmm. trying to, you know, tell a story and, and craft, you know, songs in that way. Um, it's one of the things I love and, and so, you know, so enjoy. Um, and you're right. I mean, this has been such a crazy time and season the last two, three years, global pandemic, COVID, you know, political, racial, just world craziness going on and a war going on in our world. And, you know, uh, all the things, you know, it's just, it's, it's been such a, a crazy time. And honestly, I've, I have, felt compelled in the last few years, you know, to start writing some new music. I didn't have a record contract. I didn't have anything that told me I had to do that. Um, I just, and, and honestly, I wasn't even sure, um, you know, 35 years is a amazing, incredible run. And there is a part of me, probably an insecure part of me that had to wrestle a lot with the, this big question, does the world even care about or need or want another Stephen Curtis Chapman record. You know, I've got a lot of friends who, you know, I got a good buddy who's probably the biggest U2 fan on the planet. And he says, you know what? I'm the, I'm the biggest U2 fan in the world. And I really don't need another U2 record because I have my hard drive is full. If, of when I say U2, I want to go listen to Joshua Tree. You know, I, you know, I love Coldplay. When I want to listen to Coldplay, though, I don't necessarily care about the new music because what they represent to me is this. If I want new music, I'm listening to, you know, this. And so I get that. And, and as a creative guy, I understand why Billy Joel, for example, a few years ago said, you know, uh, uh, apparently he, he publicly said, I'm not going to write and record any more new music. And I think part of that is because we insecure artists you know, are always battling with, are we relevant? Does it matter? Do people even care? And people will so often say, man, you know, I'll, I'll, even if I play a new song, I've had it happen over and over again, or a new album I'll release. And people will say, Hey, you know, that new song's great, but man, 
nothing's ever going to beat the great adventure. Gosh, when I think of you, it's, you know, more to this life or man, that record, you know, dive and your speechless record. Gosh, that's the record. And it's like a compliment, but it also is a little bit of a, it's a two edged sword because part of you just heard them say, so really thanks for the effort, but I didn't really need that new music. I just needed to listen to the old songs, you know? And so as I really wrestled through that, I kind of came to this conclusion that I still have some things that I really feel compelled to say. I've got some things that I, I not only want to say, but I couldn't have said them before this point in my life. I couldn't have said them with the weight. Uh, I haven't walked through the, you know, the, the doubt, the questions, the pain, the confusion. You know, I lost uh, a dear friend. I lost a, a brother-in-law, you know, in this last you know, year. Um, I wrote so many of these songs wrestling with, tearfully wrestling with, can I sit across from my brother-in-law who's 62 years old, who should not be dying of five cancerous brain tumors. And it came out of nowhere and he's just starting to enjoy his retirement with his grandson. And, and we're at a similar season of life and age. And I'm looking at him and I'm just wrestling with all this. And every, every lyric I write, I'm seeing his face thinking, can I sing this to him? Or does it sound like just a Bible band-aid that I'm sticking on this? Because he's facing the fact that he's probably not going to be here in six months and and grieving that and you know wrestling with that. So all of that perspective, I thought, you know what? I want to write these songs um, and have these conversations with whoever will listen. I'm going to try to forget, you know, is it relevant and do, do people you know, need it or want it, but I just, I need to say it and I need to do it. And, um, and, and so that was kind of the the idea and still really captured that because the truth is, you know, for all that I've walked through and I mean, there's a lyric in there that says, um, you know, it's been beautiful and it's been terrible and it's been more wonderful and it's been more painful than I ever would have known. But even, even so still, I want to sing these songs. I want to, I want to say these things, you know, and, Another lyric that was really vulnerable to write, but was so true was to say, you know, I, I have wrestled and I've rested and I've trusted and I've tested God's patience like a foolish man. I mean, I've been all over the map. And now at 35 years, I can say that probably in a way, even be more honest and more vulnerable that I don't have it figured out. I don't have the answers. The world's more, you know, more complex and things even in the church, even in the faith, are more complicated and complex than than I certainly, you know, have the uh, the the brain for, and the understanding for, and the theology for. But what I do know, what I still can say with absolute certainty, is God is faithful. God is good. I wouldn't be singing these songs, even walking through the tragic loss of our own daughter, and fourteen years later, that journey of grief. These are things that I still believe. In fact, I believe them more, more firmly than, than ever. Um, and that felt like something important to sing and to say. Yeah. And that's such an important message. And it's, it's a constant battle that you see within artists and even like show hosts and writers and authors. It's like, how am I going to stay relevant? And I didn't get that vibe from you listening to the song like even after hearing you explain about the song it just makes me want to go still i'm gonna sing (laughs) like i just want to go into it and this 
a record that you're working on and all of the music that's going to be coming out is coming from a place of honesty and you can't ask for any more than that. It's honest. It's true. This is what I'm going through. Meaning you, I didn't write it. If I wrote it, nobody would listen to it. (laughs) So God's given you that gift. And with even hearing about the loss of your brother-in-law and Mm. your daughter, like these are unimaginable pains that a lot and tragedies that we're all bound to experience in different ways, shapes, or forms. So in the song, as you touched on, you continue to admit that you're still a mess and that you've fallen short, but you still continue to praise him. So in particular, like to your loss recently and the loss of your daughter, where, where did you find that thread of peace? Like it's hard to find peace when you're going through tragedy like that, especially with the loss of a daughter. Um, It's tragedy, yeah. man. And yeah. we've all experienced it in micro doses or maybe even macro doses. But for you yeah. personally, how did you work through that? Well, um, and, and, you know, I'll, I'll say, you know, the answer is, um, you know, really most true answer is how are we continuing to work through, um, you know, we mentioned before, you know, we started talking about um, my favorite rock band in the world is a band called colony house. Um, and they have a a beautiful song on their first record called moving forward that my son Caleb wrote. And, um, you know, that really is, that's the story of our family, of our life of really all of us, but you know, we are moving forward step by step. Um, and you know, there's, there's, I mean, so many, it's hard for me not just to quote lyrics through this whole interview to answer your questions. Cause my whole new album is so much of that, you know, written for those very reasons. How do you, keep, you know, moving forward. What's that process been like for us as a family, for me personally, as a, just as a dad, a husband, a, a friend, um, a follower of Christ and, uh, and, and one who gets to communicate that, how do I encourage, you know, people through that? Um, there's a song, uh, that's actually getting ready to be the next single that we're going to release to streaming. And it's going to be the first radio single called don't lose heart. And, um, uh, the, the song actually even, you know, says, um, you know, that, uh, I'm trying to remember the the second verse, um, take my hand. I'll show you all the scars from where I've been. Remind you how we both know this story ends. And I know you'll do the same for me. These afflictions that are only temporary are going to turn to glory beyond compare. So don't lose heart. Well, the, the reality is how, how we do it. I believe as people of faith, Paul would say, if we only have hope for this life, we're to be pitied. We're kind of fools because we're missing the whole point. Cause if our hope is just, man, if we can just get it figured out, we're going to get this life pretty good. You know, we, we can get, you know, get it, get it, uh, pretty, pretty well dialed in. And life's going to keep throwing things. This last two years, three years has thrown so much at us that we never could have prepared for, uh, you know, in in any way, un, unprecedented, you know, global pandemic. So if our hope is just for this life, we're, we're going to be really disappointed. But if we anchor our hope to a promise of God that all of this, these afflictions are only temporary and the truth is, it's actually, none of it's going to get wasted. If we can really believe that God is that good and faithful, that every, even the hardest things, even the most devastating things, that it's not the end of the story. And in fact, it's it's not just God's going to turn the page and here's the next page, but he's actually going to redeem all of the stuff, all the crap, all the hurt, all the, all the tears, and 
we're going to get to see that. We're going to get to watch that unfold, you know, um, and that's part of what we're in right now. You know, my pastor calls it kind of, we're living between the already and the not yet. Mm-hmm. And, and we got to care, we got to live with both of those. Um, and we either give up hope, we lose heart or we, we trust that God is good, that God is faithful in the midst of it. And we keep holding on to that. And that's why, again, I'm still singing these songs to go, Hey, I've needed it. I've needed those songs. I've needed those friends. I've needed those texts that come at a point when I just think, God, I think I'm at the end. I think I've tied every knot at the end of the rope. I think, I think I'm done for. And then that just that word of encouragement that will come. And I've seen it happen. I've experienced it so many times. So, um, I'm hoping, you know, continue to hope I can be that you're that through this podcast, encouraging people, what you guys are doing, even with the whosoever's, um, all of the stuff that, that we're get to be a part of, we get to be a part of that. It's an amazing privilege, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And we touched on like, we know how the story is going to end. Like, we don't know yeah. exactly like what's going to lead up to it, but we know where it ends. And yeah. it, it drives some curiosity in me. Like before the Grammys and the Dove Awards, the number one hits and everything, there was simply just Stephen Curtis Chapman, the person, not the superstar, not the superstar songwriter and hit maker. And I'm curious to know a little bit about the journey that you've gone through to get where you are today. So before all of this, who was and who is Stephen Curtis Chapman? Well, yeah, I, I uh, was Steve Chapman. Uh, and that's really who I am, is uh, a kid from Paducah, Kentucky. Who Paducah. Grew up, Paducah, Western <laughs> Kentucky. Um, grew up in a musical family with a dad who played music country and folk music on the weekends, uh, and bluegrass music. And so I grew up wanting to be just like my dad. I learned Folsom prison blues on the guitar when I was six years old. My dad taught me, um, uh, prison song. And, uh, I still, it's still one of the greatest songs ever written as far as I'm concerned. I love that song. Love Johnny cash. Um, so that's kind of where it began. And Jesus came and changed my family's life really when I was about eight years old, seven, eight years old. And my dad, who was pursuing country music and folk and bluegrass music and all that, kind of laid his dream down, started a little music store. And still at 83 years old now, my dad still teaches guitar lessons five days a week at Chapman Music in Paducah. And uh, so he's still making music. My last record before this one was a bluegrass record where my dad actually came and sang with me and played guitar and uh, as did my brother. So I, I had the great gift of getting to record with my dad while he's still is alive, which was incredible blessing for me. But that's, I was Steve Chapman. I was not a singer. Uh, my brother was the singer. Um, and I grew up kind of in his shadow. I was the background guy, which is why I really dove into playing the guitar. I wanted to be a great, as good of a guitar player as I could because he had the voice. He went away to college and I started, I started writing songs because that was really how I found my voice. I kind of had this weak sort of you know, tentative voice. And he had this real strong voice. And uh, so I started writing songs as a way to kind of say what was in here. And most of my songs were songs about my faith. And and just just as a kid trying to figure it out, trying to, you know, believing in in God and yet trying to kind of make that make sense for me as a 15, 16, 17 year old kid. Um, And uh, got into college and, and, you know, got this opportunity to be, become a songwriter, get a publishing deal. Um, that turned into me getting to make a record, uh, in my mid twenties, my first record. Um, like I said, 1987, um, 
and uh, just crazy, you know, that underneath all of that stuff. And then, you know, awards come and, you know, songs go to the top of the charts and, and I'm still sitting there feeling like, and I mean, I can tell this honestly, many times, you know, when I would win double awards, you know, I would come back home to my wife and I would, I would tell her, I'm like, sweetheart, I'm not, I don't know that they've realized it yet. I'm not really a very good singer. I, I'm, I think I'm okay. Songwriter, pretty good guitar player, but I mean, they just gave me the male vocalist of the year award and I'm afraid they're going to come back and like rescind it and say, you know, <laughs> we've done a recount and actually that was a mistake, you know, because <laughs> you're not really, you know, cause I just grew up with this idea that my brother's the singer. I'm the guy. So all of that, you know, you carry through life with you. I remember reading somewhere where Bono was told, you know, by someone, man, how does the biggest rock star in the world stay so humble? And he said something I thought was so profound. He said, there's a very, very fine line between humility and insecurity, and it veils itself very well, insecurity as humility. The truth is, I don't know that I'm very humble, but I'm very insecure. And I'm like, ding, 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 ding. There, that's me, you know? So that's the Steve Chapman probably under all of it. But I reference it actually in a song can I do one more lyric from my new record? Yeah, how about that? <laughs> I have a song called Already, and this is one of my favorite lyrics, so I'm going to quote the lyric, forgive me, but it says, I saw a rock star, some rock stars singing on my TV. Could have been the Stones, could have been Springsteen. They had a sold-out, packed-out stadium crowd. They knew the words to every song, and they were singing them loud. Just between you and me, I had this fleeting thought, would I be happier if I had everything they got? And even though I know the truth tells me I would not, I had to go look in the mirror. I see a young kid back in 1983, a sad attempt at a mustache mullet flowing free. He had a pocket full of songs and a decent guitar ready to take a great adventure. Didn't matter how far. Just hope to hear the father say the words well done. So I saddled up my horses and they started to run. They've taken me places I never could have dreamed. I'm singing my songs for you. So that kind of sums it up. I just started out with a pocket full of songs and a, and a decent guitar and said, God, I want to encourage people and sing these songs. I don't know where it's going to go. And I'm still kind of pinching myself going, I can't believe this journey that I've had the privilege of being on. Man. Oh man. Stephen Curtis Chapman, everyone. If you haven't heard of Stephen Curtis Chapman, if you live under a rock, as we discussed several times in this interview, he is the most awarded artist in Christian music. Um, Endless amounts of Dove Awards, five Grammys, uh, over 50 number one hits. Like the guy's been around the block a few times and getting to sit down and have this discussion was, it was warming to my heart. Uh, Steven, like even just getting to talk about the whosoever's with someone that's not in like the rock spectrum uh, was something that I can appreciate. His conversation was, it was impactful for me. Um, seeing as like I never really was a like Stephen Curtis Chapman like head over heels person because it was a little bit before my time but he's such a genuine person and getting to know him through this conversation more has just been amazing so be sure to go check out still which is on, on all streaming platforms right now be sure to go check out the books that he has out uh, discussing his journey and then he had a book come out with his wife mary beth last year there's so many projects that they're working on and be looking out for that record so we love you guys so much and i'm so grateful for you the fact that we still get to record these and that 
we get to have an episode every single week together has been a dream come true for me. So I know there are a few of you that have listened to, I think we're at 95, 96 episodes released at the time that this comes out. And that is, I don't even know what word, astoundishing. I don't, I don't know what word to use for it. So I truly am grateful. I'm grateful that you take time out of your week to just take a moment with us and with me and get to continue to do this journey. So again, go check out Stephen Curtis Chapman's latest single still. Be sure to go check out all of his back catalog. I mean, with 50 number one hits, you're bound to know a song or two in there and be sure to check out the new stuff. We love you guys so much and I'm so excited to keep bringing you guys episodes and we'll talk to you guys next week. So if you're struggling or if you need some extra attention or just need someone to know that you're loved and encouraged, you came to the right place, be sure to check out some of our friends at Beneath the Skin, Death to Life, Heart Support. Um, There's so many amazing resources out there for you. Love you guys so much. We'll talk to you next week. Bye now. What happens when a writer and former history teacher goes toe-to-toe with his best friend, a nationally touring stand-up comedian? Total carnage, that's what. Two men enter and two men leave because that's how it works. (laughs) Actually, you get hilarious, real, and insightful conversations about life, history, culture, faith, and everything in between. Join me, comedian Johnny W., and my pal, author, and speaker John Driver for Talk About That at lifeaudio.com or wherever you get your podcasts.